Warning, the following program contains adult language, adult themes, and spoilers. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to this week's episode of This Week's Episode. I'm your host, Evan Goldstein. With me, as always, is the wonderful Karen Randazzo. He's a sponge named Bob. And the fantastic Chris Randazzo. Previously on Iron Fist. <laughs> we here on this week's episode talk television. This week, Chris chose. He, he picked Iron Fist Season 2, Episode 1. The sure Fury did. of Iron Fist. <laughs> but before we get into that, here's your weekly reminder that you can get in touch with us at mail at geekade.com. Drop us a line. Let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, what we should be watching. Just to say hello. We'd love to hear from you. So, Chris. <clears throat> yes. Um, we have had many a conversation about how 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 poorly we felt about season one of iron fist yes and, and then, yet and then you go and do something like this <laughs> well you know <laughs> I, we saw him on uh on luke cage and we we're like yeah you know that that wasn't that wasn't bad okay. you know I'd, I'd watch a show about this guy and then you know we saw the trailers for this and we we're like all right you know that looked that looks okay and then we started this one and we we're like so um, we've heard that you we've heard that season one wasn't let's say genuinely liked by people. So uh, we're just gonna go ahead and recap that for you, nice and succinct. So don't 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 go back and watch. This is good enough. This this will get you up to speed. It's good. And just so you know, that recap made season one look fantastic. It we really did that, too. We finished that like, oh wow, I really appreciated that show. Thank you. Um, and also. Did did the recappers watch the same show as we did? Uh, I, it's <laughs> it's the the amazing the, the magical feat that is editing. Yes, indeed. So with the name like the Fury of Iron Fist, I was genuinely afraid that we were going to get more of season one Danny Rand, mm-hmm. which uh, season one of Iron Fist, if you haven't seen it, basically boils down to down to um, Danny. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> you shouldn't do it. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it anyway. And then everyone around him being like, no, seriously, I'm way smarter than you are. You've been living on an island in the middle of nowhere for most of your life. This is a terrible idea. You and or everyone you know is going to get hurt. And him just going, I am the immortal Iron Fist. Don't you know who I am? It was just shy of him always saying that, but he didn't say that. (laughs) Yeah. And then in, in episode one, not only did he not say... I am the immortal Iron Fist to anything, but Colleen was the shield of logic to Danny's mace of insanity. <laughs> He'd come home wow. and or... <laughs> Wait, we can't skip that. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> I didn't... I, that was... I, I have been somebody's shield of logic before. I can't take full credit for that. I was called a shield of logic to my friend Mike uh, Simons' Mace of Insanity. But that's really what, what kept happening in this show. I mean, we, we're, we're several episodes past that now. Um, but 
instead of him rushing off and doing something stupid, he and Colleen would have like rational adult conversations about it and then come to some sort of conclusion where nobody did something stupid. And I was like, huh? (laughs) I was left scratching my head so often at this show's apparent lack of extreme stupidity. You know, like it's still comic book TV, so Mm -hmm. there's still stupidity going on. But the level of stupidity has been so reined in like it's been toned way down it has like whoa we beat the hand all right we're just going to use that as an excuse to actually write danny rand like a human Mm -hmm. and see okay now i did not watch any more of the episodes because i wanted to keep my initial reaction very fresh okay and i didn't want it you know like getting more story is probably beneficial for the character okay the character recreation that is this version of Danny Rand um the the, the dude that shows up in this show was not in season 1 Davos uh, no Danny this version oh. of Danny <laughs> <laughs> no he was not in season 1 ever not at all ever and that in itself, he tap dances around to being likable. It's like <laughs> that in itself whoa. is really jarring. Like you it know, is. I disagree slightly that that version of Danny Rand isn't in this. He's not in this episode for sure. Um, Chris and I did watch a little bit forward. I think we've seen three or four episodes at this point. Uh, he does start to come back a little bit at some point, mm-hmm. but not full on like obnoxious. Just full on like. I'm going to do what I want because I'm, I'm the only one who can do what needs to be done. And there are people in his life saying, you shouldn't do this. It's not okay. But now it's starting to be more in a, a like kind of a smart way where like they kind of realize like, yeah, he does need to take care of this. Like we should let him go off half cocked because he's the immortal Iron Fist. Yeah. Like in the episode we just watched, they uh, were going somewhere. Uh, Colleen and uh, and and Danny were going somewhere to go figure something out and find out what uh, find out what was going on with the with the bad guy, and then um, Misty shows up and it's like no no we got police stuff to talk about you're not going in this business half cocked and then bad guy kills a bunch of guys and they and like Danny basically just like pieces out in their whole conversation they're like dude you can't just run off like this okay fine I just need to go clear my head like. I can't believe they fell for that. <laughs> he goes right? outside and goes, uh, runs off and gets there too late because there's a bunch of dead guys there. And like, so Misty and Colleen show up after him, kind of pissed at him for running off half cocked. And then Colleen goes all shield of logic and be like, look, I get what you're saying, but he's not entirely wrong. Cause if he actually got here when he wanted to, these guys would probably still be alive. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh my God. Like, why is Danny right? Why is Dan- yeah exactly? Why was Danny kind of right? Like yeah, he, he was kind of not right. Like I get both perspectives, but it was actually written kind of smart. Like wow, I was really kind of blown away by that because like Colleen was pissed at him for running off, but she was also like, "Sorry, Misty. Like these guys would still be alive if Danny had left early." So now it's, it was weird. It's weird. It's I understand. Weird. I understand it's that because you have more story. Now as yeah. I'm looking at just. Episode one, mm-hmm. it seems that they took the overacting or the, the over irrational acting that Danny had in the first season and just divvied it up amongst the characters. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> like everybody in this episode was just just slightly off centered. 
from their extremely logical position in the first season. So I would agree with that. Yeah. Like I can't even remember here. Let me scroll down because all the character names are listed right here. So we have Colleen who goes a little crazy because a box shows up. Indeed. Ward, who is way over the top about, I mean, he was very narcissistic in the first season, but mm-hmm. like that first interaction with his sister when she just magically showed up again, like that was way over the top, even in comparison to the season before. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Davos, he got real whiny real quick. I don't remember. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of Davos. I'm right not a now. huge fan of Davos, but I, I seem to remember him being exactly the same way in season one. Like he was almost thinking about going along with Danny for like five seconds before it was just like, no, Kun Lun, you bitch. <laughs> okay, and so every like- <laughs> time I saw him on screen and he was acting, it looked like he was just shy of tears. <laughs> oh, yeah. like every time now. Um, Joy, who is Joy? That was the sister, right? Yeah. Okay. All of a sudden, she's like all upset because. All right, not all of a sudden she's upset. She got really upset because of the whole dad daddy issue she had from the previous season. But now, the the what the in, the impression that they're giving giving is she's now become like a a maniacal evil like a wizard type person that's going to start controlling everything. And I didn't I didn't buy that because she was sort of along for the ride most of season 1. Yeah, you that that's that's not quite what's going on with her. Okay. So um, um I I I don't remember exactly where they left off with her in that specific first episode, but so okay. to, to to the point that you're making I agree with your assessment of uh, what's going on with these characters all being like just a bit more left of center, which I think is the only way to do it at this point, because especially for Joy and uh, um, Ward, Ward, their lives were pretty normal uh, up until their repeatedly undead dad (laughs) and the hand and the ninjas like I couldn't remember they that like that was a fake death. Or did they bring him back? I can't. They, yeah, it was like he died, but then he got resurrected, and then he kept like resurrecting himself after getting killed, which made him crazier. I think. Like, oh, that's right. It was bananas, <laughs> and so them all being like, and Ward started getting on on drugs and stuff, and with all of the insanity that these characters went through, it's I I'm actually really happy with the fact that they're portraying them as you know. Things didn't just slide back to normal for them. They were, like, profoundly affected by the absolute craziness that went on in their lives. And mm-hmm. it does kind of make sense. And with Joy, I kind of felt the the similar... After watching season one, I was, like, really kind of heartbroken because Joy was along for the ride, but she always seemed to have, like, this kind of a moral center going on. And now that she's just, like, straight up evil, mm-hmm. I was like, man, that's really heartbreaking. But there have been a couple of scenes throughout the course of the season where you see that that that's taking a toll on her. That's it's kind of against her nature, and she's not. She she's putting on a front that she's a hundred percent okay with everything she's doing. But there are occasional like moments of her by herself where she starts to like 
react to all of the things that she's saying and doing in a way that like she's still conv- you know she's she's got the conviction to follow through with whatever it is her plan is mm-hmm. but she's not like there's a part of her that's not happy about it okay so i i was happy to see that show up okay all right um I, I I understand that like I'm o- I am only lo- looking at a very small microcosm of of the character building because mm. of what they had to change from season one to season two and I, I get that but I'm willing to th- to throw this out there that the worst acting by far out of season one and probably all of season two will be Albert Danny Rand's boss in the moving company. <laughs> that was bad and, I, and, and that was like right in the beginning of the episode i'm like oh shit if this is what it's gonna be like i'm checking out now i'm not even making it throughout this episode i've got news for you i forgot that was even a character you uh, never see him again okay okay good totally forgot that was a dude i i i even liked the the introduction to um mary like she was that's I'm assuming going to be Typhoid Mary. From- that's what I'm assuming too. I don't know anything about that character. I'm just assuming that that's who that character is because I feel like I've seen posts about live action Typhoid Mary this that and the other thing, mm-hmm. but that character is freaking interesting. Okay, cuz I, I I actually it made uh, within with during the second watch cuz I you know, I watched these episodes twice. Yeah. Um when she has her like she has what in essence looks to be like a severe panic attack and she starts turning on water throughout mm-hmm. the house it made me question like my comic knowledge and i actually googled typhoid mary water <laughs> like what am i missing here and it was just something that soothed her it seemed i'm like that is that is really interesting and yeah that was the yeah. only character that I was like, I want to know more. I want to know like everything there is to know about what her storyline is going to be. Like everybody else, I like I don't give a shit about the the, the Colleen box. Like I I didn't really. I gave a shit about the Colleen box. It, it, I, I felt I felt it was just like that. um oh what's that called where they 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 a uh, MacGuffin a MacGuffin yes to get her into the crime fighting again because of that box she goes to go find the person that donated it which happened to be the cousin of the guy who runs the restaurant down the block who is being you know shook down for protection money by two different per- rival gangs like if you're paying someone for protection you should use that when the other people come but that's just besides the point i I, i'm i'm gonna assume that it's gonna show up again somewhere because they made a big deal about it well it kind of turns into a little bit more of a conversation about the two of their relationship which again consistently freaks me out because unlike every other tv relationship the two of them typically stop and talk about what they're doing and then come to some sort of amicable conclusion interesting even when they're I don't like, buy it. I don't believe it. it. It's, again, we're only a couple episodes in, but every time I assume that there's going to be some stupid TV tension between the two of them, they wind up having like a quick conversation and or apologizing to one another and then explaining their, their, their situation and the two of them understand one another and then they move on 
in like positive forward fashion and it freaks me the hell out because <laughs> that does not happen on TV. It's always stupid. Stupidity. It's always no one person not listening to the other, one person keeping it secret for no goddamn reason. Mm-hmm. I it see but like okay, as I'm watching just like I said the first episode, there were callbacks to old Danny when mm-hmm. Davos confronts him in the street and he's like I need to talk to you alone. I'm like, oh, all right. Now he's going to start doing shit in his own. Now there's going to be a fight. Shit's going to go sideways. And he's going to be by himself. And like, but instead, they had a fight. Like, they, they went off. They had a they It was had just a, a slap fight because it wasn't like and a then, real fight. <laughs> yeah. And then I think in the next episode, like, he, he and Colleen hadn't talked about it. And then he brought it up. And then they talked about it. And then everything was fine. And it was like. What? What? <laughs> Wait a second. What? <laughs> Interesting. He was just—he's just totally upfront about what happened between the two of them. It was like there just wasn't a, a good time to talk about it. Like they were busy or something. And they're like, we can talk about it later. And then later came, and they did. They talked about it like adults, and it was freaking weird. All like right. With the Colleen box, it, it winds up uh, coming a little bit more into um, that. Like that's something that's very important to her, and then she has to kind of put that on hold because this gang stuff gets like escalates a lot okay uh and that's kind of a it's like it's it's definitely a point of contention but she's also like again they had a rational conversation about her she's like (laughs) danny's like and i know this is very important to you but you know you you also have to understand how big this other thing and she's like yes i do understand i don't mind putting it aside because this is very immediate and it's about you know our neighborhood and we really need to take care of this and then they went off and like did things together and i was like what is happening right now (laughs) (laughs) the other thing i like about colleen's mystery box is (laughs) 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 is that i made a joke um is that it gives it gives us you know gives her character something like she's not just there in service of the iron fist story she uh it has something to do with her family that she you know doesn't have really any connection to anymore everybody is dead or something she just doesn't really have much family then all of a sudden this thing with her family crest shows up on it and kind of comes out of nowhere at her Mm -hmm. and uh and it so it gives her you know a a reason to exist that isn't just danny Mm. Which I get that we're watching a show called Iron Fist, and it does need to be about him at the end of the day, and that's fine. But I would like all the people in the show to be, like, fully formed people. Like, not just, like, we put them in a box when we're not dealing with whatever the Iron (laughs) Fist is dealing with. They just shut down and stand there quietly. (laughs) That is a really good point. And, um, ah, crap, I was totally going to say something and I and, uh, and I your jerk wife was. cut you off with a really good point no it was, it was about that really good point and now, I'm, now I'm like uh, I'm well scratching to find... you try and think about that while I say um, can we talk for a second about like why do I really like Ward this season I, <laughs> like, have... I really like Ward okay I don't know why because he is completely I mean... unlikable in episode one Okay, so in episode one, have we seen much of him uh, doing his like um, Narcotics Anonymous recovery okay, business? Okay, so as per usual, within the first 15 minutes, there were two sex scenes in an episode of a Marvel show. Um, one was Danny and Colleen. Which was nice and which soft, was sweet. and they, they did the pan away and i was okay with that all right Mm -hmm. that's nice maybe they're learning and then like less than 10 minutes later ward is banging his sponsor in a 
fucking janitor's closet. Which obviously is not great because Completely. that's not how Whether that's it's not good how or not, it's unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that character has had a positive effect on the character of Ward because you don't see it in the first episode, but if you were to keep watching, I know we're sitting here doing a podcast where we're supposed to talk about this specific episode and we're not talking about that one. No, but. well, it's, it's, good to be, it's good to bring up more information because if you're like me, which I was sort of sort of interested in where it's going, but it, if you were to say, no, it's pretty much exactly, I would not continue mm-hmm. watching this show. Yeah, there's definitely more to it, and like like I'm saying, this this girl is having an effect on Ward that makes me not hate him, which is uh, interesting to say the least, because I definitely didn't like him the first season, which you're not supposed to. Right? Yeah, I did think he was really interesting in the first season, but not very likable. And in this one, I I just have to say that the fact that you were even mildly interested to see where this goes is a real testament to how much they fix things because. Yeah, you were just you were done with this show. Yeah, I, and, the, I, I, and, and the fact that they could redeem a character like that to any degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not like he's amazing. It's not like this no. is you know I'm putting this on the top shelf. Like this is one of the best there is. But like, I'm I'm in. You know, I'm interested. I'll I will keep watching this. I and and I will do so with a smile because I genuinely want to know what's happening next. And I'm just kind of happy that it's not terrible. Uh, and what I was going to say earlier okay. before I forget again is another one of those. She was talking about how Colleen is, is has her own story, and right. what's cool about the way they're tying that into Danny is like they had one of those those moments that you would think in a show was going to be like Danny says something and like then walks away, <laughs> like he said something kind of hurtful and then walks away, but it turned out to be completely different, and I was again super impressed by it because you know Davos is there, and then like he and Colleen there was some friction with the way that Danny was handling things. And Danny said something like, I thought you of all people would understand. And that right there is the line where somebody walks away mm-hmm. and then it's like a fight and then they come back and fix it later. But he said, I, you of all people, I think, would, I, would understand where somebody who was family to you does a bunch of horrible things. Like, I got, I got to find out about this. Like, it's really important. And then Colleen was like, you're absolutely right. Go get him, Tiger. You know? Because <laughs> that was her and Bakudo in mm-hmm. both Defenders and Season 1 of Iron Fist. And it was like, Danny making a good point. Like, that's why he's acting the way he is. Because it's how Colleen acted when she found out about Bakudo. Because that's a really screwed up situation. And it was like, I didn't think of that connection. And neither did she. And again, rational conversations between adults. And it's freaking me the hell out. <laughs> I, I'm going to take both of your words for it. Um, I will progress, and not in the hate watch that I did this last two times. I mean, if you hate, if you keep watching and you hate it, you keep watching and you hate it. Like you don't have to. Nobody's holding a gun to your head. This is but. this is very true. But like, I remember forcing myself to finish season one. Like it was. I think I think we all, all those of us who did finish, all did that. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I was alone. carried by like you know, I was interested in Faramir and like sort of interested in the overall plot, and like I liked things about some of the characters. But yeah, it was like it was not easy to get through, and it's not something I ever want to go back to. Mm-hmm. And I did. I did not want to finish watching it. <laughs> I was. I only finished watching it because Chris was watching it, and because like. I had this 
sense off of him, whether it was intentional or not, that was like, you you got to watch this or you're not going to get defenders. You're not going to know what's going on. <laughs> That's and what I, I like, thought. I thought fine, that this show is going to do something. Crap. If I don't finish this, then I'm going to be lost in defenders. And I guess to an extent, maybe, but... I, I'm just I'm I was I'm astonished that I enjoy, that I am enjoying the season as much as I am. Again, I don't want to sound like I'm over the moon. Like, holy crap, this is amazing! It's just this is solid, and I'm shocked <laughs> that they've gone from diarrhea <laughs> to solid. Uh, before we move on, though, I do we have some uh, some some mail, Ooh. Uh, which uh, which uh, came to us. Can, may I read this? May I read the letter? I would just like to say to our listeners here: look at this evidence that what Evan says every week about please emailing us <laughs> is like if you actually do it, we actually read it, guys. There you go. <laughs> so uh, John Maldonado writes, "What's up, guys? So another Netflix Marvel show. Of course, I'm writing in for it." Gotta try and not say too much. So I, I edited this ever so slightly because um, he did it, like the last sentence kind of talks about uh, what appears to be Davos's game going on right now. Okay, and somehow the trailer didn't spoil that for Karen because I guess she. Just, I'm just not paying enough. Just attention. wasn't paying enough attention, which <laughs> is actually working out well because I'm kind of pissed at the trailers for spoiling yeah, that was, what Davos is up to. That was because like big, yeah, yeah it, exactly, and like. I figured it wasn't going to be that big a deal because they showed it in the trailers, but they're building it up with this really, I can see how they're shooting it. Like I would be sitting there thinking, what the hell is he up to? Because <laughs> I would genuinely be curious about what, what the heck is his game plan? And I still don't know what Joy's game plan is. Like, I don't know what she's up to. I understand what's going on with Davos, but not with her. But anyway, back to his letter. <laughs> I'll admit I enjoyed it a lot more than season one, and it was a definite improvement in some aspects. But the fundamental problem with the show is that Danny Rand is not likable enough, nor do I find the way that they are portraying his character interesting at all. He feels like a background character in his own show, which is fine if they're trying to make the show about the actual power of the Iron Fist and less about him. Think Raiders of the Lost Ark. And that's cool, but you can make that work and keep the character likable. Indiana Jones was still interesting AF, even though you can take him out of the movie and still get the end game. I'm also fully convinced the showrunners realized this, uh, and blah, blah, blah. That's the spoilery part. Uh, I think they could be on track to continue to fix a lot of mistakes, but in my opinion, they still have a long way to go. Matt Murdock and the 45-second Daredevil Season 3 teaser gave more than Danny did all season. Anyway, wish you guys the best. Congrats on another successful fundraiser year. John Maldonado. Thanks, John. Uh, Thanks, John. Thank you, John. Thanks for writing in. And hi, John. (laughs) Thanks for the congrats on the uh, fundraiser. That was a lot of fun. My immediate reaction to that is, well... Of course, what's the name of the... I don't know the name of the guy who plays Danny, but of course he Finn. is not nearly yeah. as Finn good. Jones, yeah. yeah. No. He's Finn no Jones Harrison is Ford. no Charlie Cox. Like, that's yeah, just... That is also true. 100%, 100% agree on that point. I, what did he play? He was he was in Game of Thrones, right? Yeah, he was the he was Marjorie L- Tyrell's Loris, right? gay brother. Loris Tyrell, uh, yes. And he didn't have... He, he didn't, didn't have, have a ton to, to do. do. He just and had he to walk around quickly. looking relatively bored and then blow up. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, without talking about the trailer and Davos's Endgame, I am kind of surprised that you guys are four episodes in and that hasn't been revealed again. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> How could they show that in the trailer like that? So yeah. when you say his end game, um, I can I can do this without spoiling this. Um, 
you're set you're you're not referring to what happened in the last episode that we watched well, like that's part of the plan for it but that's not the that's not the final objection objective not without seeing what the results of what the exact results of what happened were okay so I, yes I, I officially do not know what he's at what he's up to because I don't pay enough attention to anything <laughs> well no it was it was fast in the trailer but, if, but it was very much like this is what you're up against this time and I was like oh that's kind of neat I'll I'd like I'd see that it was one of the things that to be fair did kind of convince me to watch it thinking like okay that's an that's something I'd watch I'd like to know how that happens but uh at the same time I'm watching this looking at the way they it's, it's just painting it as such a mystery and I'm like what is arg <laughs> I have one last question Okay. The final scene, the fade to black scene, is Danny in a what I'm assuming is like a subway. Oh yeah, room. I forgot about that. And he's punching, he's iron fisting <laughs> a metal door on a mattress. Mm-hmm. What is the point of that? That's his like, I'm sad room. I don't know. I mean, it, okay, they okay, did seem to be playing a little bit with. He's letting his anger get the best of him. I think that's what that was supposed to be. But I remember seeing that scene like they were setting it up for like, whoa, he's a loose cannon. He's really out of control now. See, but but like they kind of reined that in. There's a way to look at it that way. Okay, so when I first saw it (laughs) the first time, it was, oh, man, there's something going on inside that he has to, you know, go and literally beat on a door. But then the second time I watched it, as I, you know, his, I don't know, his mannerisms made it look like he's trying to learn how to control it better. Well, that would make sense. And if it's if that's not playing into the story, then I'm looking too deeply into it because it seems like every time he uses the Iron Fist, it's like make or break time. Like I like this is my super move game over um yeah. or he is losing control like in the restaurant when he's mm-hmm. about to fucking iron punch the dude's face in who's just yeah, a regular that did guy happen once or twice where he like he got really cheesed off about something and he iron fisted something and then he was like i should not have done that so i think some anger management is a uh, is part of a what's going on this season they're not hitting it too heavily okay. but it does it does seem to be a part of it either that or he just really hates that mattress that that's that's very true it's a very good possibility i was kind of hoping it was the whole learn how to control it kind of thing because of what we saw mm-hmm. um interesting okay i don't want i i i'm prepared i do, i definitely don't want to spoil any more of that because karen is enjoying the show <laughs> So, all right, um, I'm gonna give it a solid meh. Cool. I have to, for me to like the second episode, definitely has to, because I am mildly intrigued. It's not like I have to watch two or three to to be interested. But they have a little bit more of an uphill battle for me because of what happened with season one i did not see new danny in luke cage because like i I, I did not watch luke cage yet he's still not as good as he was in that Mm -hmm. 
Because, like, in that, he was just, like, you know, he was, like, Zen Master, chill dude. It was just, like, <laughs> And I feel like that, that makes it easier f- for you because you see what it could possibly be. The mm-hmm. only thing that I have is what it was. And yeah. he's still kind of close. There are this is signs a, of change. Yeah, this is a little bit of a throw throwback to that. But, I mean, seriously, he just doesn't run off half-cocked doing stupid things saying, I'm the immortal Iron Fist. And uh, it's really had a positive impact on the show. <laughs> I kind of wonder whether it's the directors of Luke Cage that really got a handle on that character. And, like, it's not the same directors on Iron Fist. So it's like now they have an example of, like, what that character can be. But they haven't quite gotten there on the show itself. It also has to be said that he's still not amazing to watch. But... Um, the fighting has gotten a lot. Yeah, cooler. I noticed that right off, and I'm not a person who like really gets like what good and bad fight choreography was. But I was like, I I think this is better. It looks better. Mm-hmm. Like the fight choreography is really cool. The problem is, is that Finn Jones as a fighter, you know, you know, you watch Jackie Chan or someone like that, and you're like, okay, there's just something about this guy's movements that are really cool to watch, and that's not Finn Jones. Like, yeah, you they can tell that he's learning, but it's it's like. It's it's being forced to happen. It's because he's he's learning to do all that stuff. It's not he's not a natural, mm-hmm. and that's what I think Iron Fist needs to look like to be done properly. He needs to look like he's a natural, and there's that's just, that's just not. There's him. one thing that is grossly apparent to me because I wa- I was specifically watching for fight choreography. He only fights one person at a time, and that is like the opposite of a Jackie Chan fight. Yeah, exactly. He should be taking on crowds. And I think we get there okay. uh, in this season. Like I'm, you can I'm see, like, trying to remember guy what's, one, what's go, guy one. two, go, yeah. guy three, go. And like, he's better at it. He's more fluid. He doesn't look as blocky. Like, I don't know. He was, he's more, he's getting better. Um, but well, we shouldn't be at this. You know, we shouldn't be. He's getting better. Yeah, yeah he, part they, of the problem is that if you're going to be the lead on a martial arts show, you should probably be the best fighter on the martial arts show, and that's Colleen. Mm-hmm. Oh, hands down. She's <laughs> like, entertaining she's to watch fucking fight. fucking amazing. And her fight scenes, she's like, wow, this is cool. This girl knows what she's doing. And mm-hmm. this guy's like, this is some dude, and we're training him to do Like, I'm still baffled by his casting because... They needed to hire a martial artist to do this show, not just some dude who think who looks the part. Mm-hmm. He has to actually look the part in motion too. Yeah, that's yeah, true. All right, that's it. Then we'll we'll we're gonna take our break. I mean, I am gonna finish it. I'm gonna I, and I will will force Ange to sit there and watch it with me. She she did not watch the first episode. <laughs> I think out of pure anger for you, Chris. So um, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk some news. Stay tuned. The Waveback Podcast has been covering the Smash Brothers series for the past couple of months, and their journey through some of the most remarkable music in all of gaming has finally come to a close. From the bleeps and bloops of Game & Watch games to the soaring score of Pilot Wings, robotic operating buddies to mind-blowing Tetris themes, this might be their most eclectic Smash episode yet. Don't miss Waveback, episode 64, Super Smash Brothers Grand Finale. 
New Japan Pro Wrestling veteran Hiroshi Tanahashi showed up. Tanahashi Tanahashi showed up and won G1 Climax 28. This caught a lot of people off guard. Geekade's own Alex Watley was one of them. What made this such a cool event? What can we expect from future events given this outcome? Do any of these words make sense to you? Because I don't know anything about wrestling and I'm very confused. Be sure to check out Omega V Tanahashi or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the feud. I don't think he's talking about family feud, but it's located in the think tank. The slasher genre gained quite a lot of popularity following the success of the original Halloween. And in January of 1983, a quaint splatter flick called The House on Sorority Row found its way to theater screens, hoping to cash in on some of that success. It, like many other films in its genre, has become a cult classic for some, and GeekAid's Ernie Rockelman is here to tell you why. Take a gander at celebrating 35 years of the House on Sorority Row, located in the Think Tank. You can catch all this great stuff, plus tons of other articles, videos, podcasts, and more, right now at GeekAid.com. And we're back. Thank you so much for checking out our commercials. Let's talk some news. First up, from The Hollywood Reporter, um, the BBC boss says uh, we need to find some more money. So, Karen, you may you may be able to explain this a little bit more to me, but uh, if if I'm not mistaken, the BBC is like uh, funded by the government. True. Okay, and their government is not is not funding them enough to keep up with the American standards of streaming giants. Yeah. Okay. So they're still they feel that they can still do it. They just need more money. Yeah, it seems like the um, so it's a socialized service in in England. So if you live in in the UK and you pay a TV license fee and that goes to the BBC for them to create content. Right. Um, It's kind of like PBS here, except PBS is like, I don't know. 13 cents a year for a taxpayer Mm -hmm. and like a TV license fee in, in England is, I don't know. I have no idea, but it's like 40 bucks a year. So you take one, you take that from every citizen in the country and it generates a certain number of millions of of pounds to make TV, but it's not enough to keep up with the billions that is the American entertainment industry. So, which is a shame because a lot of good TV comes out of the BBC. It does. Although, uh, my God, I just, I watched a movie, a uh, Netflix movie over the uh, weekend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, she's from Downton Abbey. She's from Downton Abbey. She's from Downton Abbey. She's from Downton Abbey. It was like half the cast was Downton Abbey. Then there was a girl from the IT crowd. <laughs> I was like, well, that's weird. <laughs> Which one so, of these does not belong? You watch enough BBC, and I mean, this this was Netflix, but still, the, the British uh, acting community is so small, it starts to get incestuous <laughs> after a little while. <laughs> wow. If that was not as long as you just made it, that would have been a great show title. Um, so they, all right, this is not done. There is no decision been be, no decision has been made. They're just sort of saying, "Hey, look, we need to talk about this." I, yeah, if basically. It, I mean, I I feel like if they want 
like if the people want good television like do the is there like cable like Oh yeah, there are there are other services. There's like um, something called Sky and something called ITV. There are there are paid competitors. Okay. This is just the BBC and all its iterations is what's available to every Brit. Okay, I gotcha. All right. Well, if we hear any more news on that one, we'll 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 keep you posted. But right now they're just saying, hey, we need help. We want to keep this going and the the. You know, the waters are getting kind of deep with the likes of Netflix and Amazon and Apple and whatnot. So, and more, many, many more to come next year, it seems. Um, Next up from CNN.com, the Emmy winner list. Now, the Emmys winners list. Uh, I'm not going to go through all of them. Um, What I did note is a number of the winners... It was either a show that I knew of and have watched or a show I had never heard of, like Barry. Yeah, that a- H- that's an HBO thing, and like nobody's watching that except for critics who love it. I mean, even like I've heard of most of the winners like and checked out the show, but it was like a couple there. I was like, wow, I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, any, any surprises to you, Karen? Surprises? No, I, w- I don't know that I would say surprises. I was very happy about how many awards, uh, Mrs. Maisel picked up. Yes. Yes. Well, uh, she deserves it. Yeah. Uh, the uh, crown, Clara Foy. Yeah. And you know what? That actually, you know, I love the crown mm-hmm. and I think Claire Foy did an amazing job, but the fact that she beat out Sandra Oh and killing Eve is a goddamn crying shame. Well, like it's, this, it seems as though the people who are voting to give out the awards did not get their Killing Eve screeners. Did Tatiana don't know yet, win yet? She has won before, Okay, just yes. making sure. But, like, the performance in that season of Killing Eve, like, I don't know how you give an award to anybody else if you've seen that. Well, they listened so, to Chris. Clearly. <laughs> Chris, stop influencing the Emmys. <laughs> hey, I just don't like her. I didn't think that she doesn't need to deserve rewards uh, awards i mean you know i hate mayonnaise but i understand why it's there <laughs> I, I i yet again outstanding variety sketch series i i look at this list and okay the shocker to me was the tracy ullman's show that, yeah, she keeps doing things i thought that went away like at the beginning of the simpsons <laughs> no and it's a, it's like a, it was a reboot uh interesting i mean i don't really know anything about it but well, I'm a little cheesed that um, what's it a, uh, um, oh, I can't think of the name of the wrestling thing. We watched Glow. Glow was totally overlooked. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was nominated in a couple of places, but it didn't win anything, and that is a, that is a shame. But it was up against Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, I guess that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, check out the list. Um, the way this list is broken down is all of the nominees are listed with the highlight of who won the category it's pretty comprehensive so check that out um next up excuse me from doctor who.tv a true news source a true news source um new doctor who series images plus episode one and two details um now when i saw these images i was like wow that's a lot of companions 
Yes, there is going to be a large TARDIS crew this season. So that's interesting. I'm not used to that. Um, the the descriptions of the, the shows seem pretty standard. Like nothing out of you know left field. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I'm going to actually talk about it now, even though it is far down the sure, list. Yeah. Um, the trailer that released. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> like I, I don't consider myself a Hoovian, but I got chills. Yes. <laughs> I am very excited. It looks really, really good. Um, yeah, and it I, it kind of has to be with all the uh, you know haters out there on the internet bitching about her being a woman. Mm-hmm. It it seems to be succeeding. I'm so excited! And one interesting thing that I noticed in the trailer that I haven't really heard a lot of people talking about, but I don't know, maybe I'm just not paying enough attention, as as pointed out earlier. Um, <laughs> Bradley Walsh's character, the older guy, mm-hmm. uh, in a couple of shots, you can see some sort of like metal or circuitry or something like sticking out on the side of his face. Mm-hmm. Like we saw with the 11th Doctor and there was like a Cyberman episode where he kind of got partially taken over and he had like a, you know, circuitry in his face and there was something going on. Right. And that was a Cyberman thing. And like we had news a week or two ago that they weren't going to bring back any older villains so i am wondering what the deal is with that like why does it look cybermanny if it's not going to be cyber it could be cybermanny they just that what they said what is they're not going to have her versus the old it's not like they didn't happen or they're not right there so they could reference it it could be referential um or it could be something else entirely and that's also i just very, very i don't true. know but um the premiere of episode one was um, like the you know world premiere, not the actual TV premiere. Mm-hmm. Was today. Oh, um, and they it's cute. They um, you, if you look at the episode description for episode one, the first line is "We don't get aliens in Sheffield," mm-hmm. which is a town in England. Yep. So they had the premiere in Sheffield. Oh, that's, that's so cute, right? Cute. That's adorable. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I. I f- actually feel more in, I don't want to say, like I'm attracted more to this season than I was the last. And I don't know why. I mean, I've watched quite a bit of Doctor Who. I don't remember. I think the last thing I remember is Capaldi in the diner. Uh-huh. And that was like the last I saw. <laughs> I was trying to watch that episode this morning with my daughter. She was not having it. <laughs> not having like, it. Like, she wasn't objecting, but she was just, like, talking she over like, it. I'm what like, is this shit? I'm out of here. This is an episode that I need to pay attention to, and I cannot hear it, and it does not have closed captioning on it. <laughs> so that's the last I recall. Um, yeah, I think you told me before you didn't watch the whole Bill season, which is fine. You don't have to. I don't know. Wait, no, what is that? What who, Bill. Bill was the companion that came after Clara. There was a whole companion you missed. Okay, so I saw the beginning of Bill. Okay. Which is which is the black girl, right? Yeah. Okay, that was they have their first interaction at at a school. Uh-huh. Okay. So I saw that, I think maybe, now that you're bringing it back, but I don't know what happens to that weird quirky dude 
the bald yeah. guy that's I don't know any I have no idea. That was His the last character name is falling out of my head right now, but he's awesome. That's the last season? Yes, okay. that was the last season. Okay. Hmm. Which I will be rewatching over the next two weeks. <laughs> Power watching. Yes. Uh, all right. So yeah, check that out. Um, Doctor Who. I want to see if I we can. I just want to hear the theme song. Was that? We still haven't heard what the new theme song sounds like. Oh, interesting. I'm that's I'm unreasonably excited to find out what the new version of the theme song sounds <laughs> like. Like I keep seeing the trailers. Like yeah, this is all great. What does it sound like? <laughs> I'm already sold on this. You don't need to sell me on this. Just I want the music. Give me the goddamn music. That's another thing about the trailer is that they use this uh, uh, fairly recent uh, Macklemore track mm-hmm. in it, which is unusual for Doctor Who, but not unheard of for them to be using pop music. Right. See, there was a season one episode where they f- heavily featured Toxic by Britney Spears. Ooh. And there's a lot of people on the internet who's once the, tr- the day the trailer came out were like, this is ridiculous. That's not Doctor Who. Why are they using pop music? I'm out of here. People <laughs> Dude, just it's a for TV trailer. Any reason to just be out of here. Like, <laughs> okay, bye. Out of here. Like, yeah, may- maybe there's not a lot of pop music in Doctor Who, but there's a lot of pop music in TV show trailers <laughs> in yeah, the world. So, like, number one, it's just the trailer. Number two, if it is in the show, it's about time because it, the show needs a bit of bringing into the modern era. And number three, if we got through Toxic, you'll get through Macklemore. Like, get <laughs> off my back. <laughs> Uh, I th- I'm gonna I'm gonna actually try to find because that the the link that we have for the trailer just I don't know where it's from. It's from Facebook. Is okay, so it's just a Facebook. It's a Facebook video. Video. Yeah, so, I'm sure you can find yeah an article I th- somewhere. I that think has there's it. a version of it on YouTube. I just shared it immediately as soon <laughs> everywhere. As I saw it. I was like, share all. Ah! Well, first I watched it and then I put it in the feed. Okay. All and right. I watched it 65 more times. <laughs> <laughs> so it now has officially 72 views. 68 of those were Karen. Um, exactly. All right, let's move on. Next, though, comicbook.com. Chris, you posted this one. Whew. Netflix announces live-action Avatar The Last Airbender series. Mm-hmm. Now, this imagery... Uh, is this from something? I believe what you're looking at is uh, concept art for this. Okay. Uh, let me let me find it, what you're looking at. The, it says a reimagined live-action Avatar the Last, Airbender, Last Airbender series is coming to Netflix, and it's a p- picture, a very faraway picture of Aang and, Aang and Appa. Appa. Yeah, that's that's concept art for the show. Because like that, just the <laughs> view of Appa, I was like half sold. Yeah, I yeah. yeah. Um, then I continued reading, and it says that the original creators are involved. Mm-hmm. So that that doubly sold me. Hmm. Um. <sighs> F- funny story. Um, <laughs> uh, right before we were doing the Petathon, I was uh, I was super stressed out about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was at work, and I wanted to put on something in the background that was just like stupid and uh kind of just just to kind of take my mind off of things 
And uh, what, what I chose was successful in a, a certain respect because I thought to myself, well, there's, I'm really excited about this, these, these talks about live-action Avatar. I wonder if the movie is as bad as I think it is because like, I remember it being pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had forgotten just how bad it was. I didn't even, didn't even get through it. Even as background noise, I couldn't get through it because <laughs> uh, it's bad. It's, it's awful. It's... Uh, Mm-hmm. You know, they redo that whole intro where they're all doing the, the you know, water, earth, air, fire, and the people are doing things in front of, like, the background. I never even realized before I saw a picture of this online that the, the in the TV show, the cartoon, they were, like, actual Chinese symbols. And then in the movie, they replaced them with gibberish <laughs> that aren't anything. So, what the hell? They, re- they mispronounce all the characters' names? Like, Ang is pronounced Ong for no reason? Soka instead of Sokka? Like... They're not translating this from a book. It's not becoming more authentic because they're saying things differently. Like, there's source material that's said out loud. Why would you do this? Why are, why are the Eskimo characters white dudes? What's happening right now? Well, with all that being said, I am still really optimistic with this. I am, I am very cautiously optimistic about this. I am... I'm really excited at the prospect of a because um, they're saying that it's going to be reimagined, so it's not going for the same exact feeling as the cartoon, which is very interesting. Um, what I find interesting about this is that I love this story so much, that I love the soul of this story so much, and I would really love it if Karen would watch the experience this story. But I also know that the medium of Avatar: The Last Airbender isn't really her thing, mm-hmm. but this could be, and so. The idea of this story appealing to a different kind of crowd uh, is really, really exciting to me. And it really kind of goes to why I think something like this is a good idea. Because you know, you take a cartoon and you adapt it to live action, and some people would think, like, well, why bother? The cartoon's perfect. And it's like, well, yeah, it's a per- it's, I think it's a perfect cartoon, but it's not perfect television. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because it's it does not have appeal to a certain audience, and it's not like, ew, this is baby stuff. It's just like this isn't the kind of storytelling for certain people, and I think that the story is so good, and this world has so much potential, and especially when you really think about how amazing something like this kind of fantasy could be in live action, it's you get little twinges of it in that hideous uh, Last Airbender movie, you know, mm-hmm. like you get these little pieces of like, you know, before Glimmers. the. the yeah, like the, the earthbenders. So one of them pulls a wall out of the ground. And it's like the only earthbending that's actually worth looking at in that movie because everything else is like throwing pebbles around for no goddamn reason. <laughs> uh, just There's so much interesting stuff to do in this world. I, I think this has the potential to be very, very cool. Did as I, long as it's done right. Did I tell you about that, the Russian movie Guardians? You did, yeah. And how like one of the main characters is a straight up earthbender. Yeah. Oh, like that. They did that correctly. That CGI. That the way they interpret interpreted that, they did really, really well. And if they, like, that gave me hope that something like there is a better way to do a live action Avatar. Um, I God, with can you imagine like Toph <laughs> in yeah. live action like. They that they, they do have some some challenging uh, casting to do here, mm-hmm. you know, because Ang has to be a kid, 
I mean, I guess he doesn't. He have doesn't to have be to kid, be. He could be younger. He, could, he actually could be, could be teens. Well, it doesn't. It is a reimagining. Yeah, depending on how deep in the reimagining, uh, how deep the reimagining goes. But I think part of you know, just the whole narrative of of him and Katara. Part of what makes that work is that they're both so young when they meet. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, it's just like kind of barely a thing from the get go. Uh, and it, and it kind of goes somewhere after the couple of years they spend together. Uh, there's, they've, they're going to have to, they're going to have to do some casting. And I really hope, really hope that they treat the, uh, the ethnicity properly in this Mm -hmm. because it's, they were very clear about, you know, the, the waterbenders, they, they were brown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they they weren't a bunch of white dudes. They were, you know, Eskimos essentially. Uh, the Fire Nation is Japan, mm-hmm. like that, not India. <laughs> it was the Fire Nation was Japan. Earthbenders was China, like that. And I, I'm not entirely sure what the Air Nomads were because most of them were dead. Right. But you know, what what I do have hopes for as well is that you know. Um, What's the what was the next series? Um, Cora. Cora. There is a a, a a humongous gap in between those two stories, but there are, from my recollection, there are episodes of Cora that feature Ang's kids, and they. Oh yeah. They, well, I mean, Ang's son is. Most a lot of that show deals with his his direct descendants. Okay. Yeah. So they can fill in like that's what i would like to see how they get from point a not necessarily all the way to point b being cora but start filling in those bits and pieces of story to i don't know enrich it i guess well they've been doing that in comics for a couple of years now there's been a bunch of official comic series that that take place after the show and before cora mm-hmm. so like They've written out, um, you know, Toph's metal bending school. They've written out what happens to Zuko's mom and and how they found out about that and what happens to Azula. And, oh, my God, live action Azula. Holy crap. (laughs) That's going to be interesting. It's like, like I said, I'm I'm, I'm optimistic. The other thing that makes me optimistic is um, that uh, Michael Dante DiMartino and uh, Brian Konitsko. I think is how you say that the original creators are are on board with this they're they're a part of this and um they weren't uh all on board with uh you know the the M. Night Korra, Shyamalan. You know? well they weren't on board with the Shyamalan thing I, from what i've come to understand they were supposed to be involved and then that just didn't happen and Shyamalan Shyamalan ding donged all over the place but uh these two guys weren't actually really involved in the in Korra, and then eventually Voltron. It was like part of the the creative team, but it wasn't these two guys. These two guys moved on to do uh, the the Dragon Prince. Have you watched and any of that? I have watched the first episode, and they have not missed a beat. Good. Um, the first episode was very good. Uh, I remember we were talking before about the animation being problematic. Yep. And it still is, but at least I think I understand why it is. I think it's a very intentional. I think it's very intentional to try to make the CG characters move like hand-drawn animation. So they cut the frame rate down so that it would move like um, the a game that just came out that's based on Dragon Ball does a very similar thing. And it's, it's amazing to look at because it's 3D rendered characters 
but they look like a cartoon, not just because they're cell shaded and like, oh my God, it looks like a cartoon. Like it actually moves like a cartoon mm-hmm. because they don't move fluidly. They move with a very set number of frames of animation, uh, which is not typically something that you get out of 3D animation. And it seems like that's what they're going for with this show. Mm-hmm. But there's so many periods where it's just like, that just doesn't work because it's just the characters that are doing it, not the world around them. Uh, so things will be moving very smoothly. And then like a guy will be getting on a horse and it'll be super choppy. Gotcha. And that just doesn't really add up. But storytelling wise, it's really cool. Well, that's and that was the and most world important building thing. too. Like when it came to those two series, zzz, was the storytelling. Well, the storytelling and the world building were amazing. If they can not, if they can do that with any sort of skill, the live action part will will fall into place. Agreed. So, here's hoping. Here's hoping. All right, let's move on. Um, <laughs> this is uh, from NPR. Um, former writer saw Bert and Ernie as loving couple. Sesame <laughs> Sesame Workshop disagrees. It's funny to me, okay, how they are Muppets, okay, and I understand both sides of the story. I don't have a, a, a horse in this race, so <laughs> it's just funny how, like, this 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 interview comes out um, from Mark Saltzman, who worked on the show in the 80s and uh, 90s, um, and he said, yeah, I, I'm a gay guy, I had a, a partner, and when I wrote, I sort of modeled Burton Ernie around that. Like, those were my experiences. I'm not saying that, you know, I wrote them as a gay couple, but these are the things. This is how it happened. And then the workshop went, stop being ridiculous. They're Muppets. That's it. They don't have a sexuality. <laughs> they don't have a gender. They don't have, they just, why is that important? And I understand both sides like i said i don't have a horse in the race i haven't watched sesame street in i don't know 30 years (laughs) but it's out there frank oz actually tweeted while this was going on last week Mm because he was he was the puppeteer that Mm -hmm. did at least one of these guys and he was like uh it's fine he said it's fine that that's the way this writer saw them they're not like i don't know i don't know what makes frank oz think that he gets to own these characters more than the guy who wrote for them just because he did the voices but um but apparently that's how that came out Mm -hmm. i think what i like about thing about frank oz is that he is a extremely strong in his convictions like i remember uh when that new muppet show was coming out and he was working on it and he had a real big problem with uh Fozzie bear doing the fart shoes and uh i was just like of all the problems in this show that actually is the one thing i thought really made sense for Fozzie's character he would totally strap a couple of whoopee cushions on his feet and make fart shoes if he thought it would make people laugh but so i don't necessarily i I think frank oz is a genius but i don't necessarily agree with him 100 percent of the time and him flat out saying they're not, I don't think is necessarily the right call. I think for, I think those characters are what they are to different people the same way most Muppets are. You know, I think 
that sexuality, sexual orientation doesn't even factor into it because like you said, they're Muppets. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't factor into it. If you want, if that's how you see those characters and it helps you relate to them, then that's what they are to you. Mm -hmm. But I don't think there is a clearly definable, that is what they are. You know, I mean, I guess there's, I guess there's always going to be a certain degree of heterosexuality between Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy, but let, the less we think about that, the better, as proven by that Muppets show that really got too far into that. But, um, yeah, I, I just think that these characters are what they need to be for different people, and they don't need to explicitly say or do anything. They just are two characters who live together and if you need them to be gay to to relate to them and that relates to your life then that's fine that's great and if not then that's also fine i just i don't think it needs to be i don't think that's a question that needs answering i hear you and i definitely uh agree somewhat i think the problem that people are having with um any argument against you know anyone saying no they're not gay is that it feels like to the gay community that people are saying like it's not okay to be gay which yeah. of course it is like not uh, you know nobody needs me to tell anyone that it's okay to be gay but like i don't think that is what's being said by the people who are saying these muppets aren't gay mm-hmm. but i feel like that's what they are taking uh, well, that, that's what they're that's hearing. what it feels like to that community exactly i agree i think the answer should should just generally be they are what you think they are mm-hmm. well they are what they are needed to be just yeah. you know it is and that's i think every sesame street character that's you know snuffleupagus before they officially made him real it was it was just his imaginary friend and like was he real was he not real that depends on you you know that depends on what you need as a kid to relate to this universe is he real or is he an imaginary friend that's up to you and i, I think that's one of the brilliance of the brilliant things of that world is that these characters are whatever you need them to be and we don't necessarily need to be thinking about or worrying about what the sexuality of children's characters are. Mm-hmm. But I think that one one thing that is important is that it that kids be able to see a, a gay relationship as a normal thing. Just like these are two guys that live in our neighborhood and they love each other. Like for that to be as normal as a heterosexual relationship. Agreed. I mean, yeah, word. Yeah. Did I ever tell you about the the lenticular T-shirt I saw of um, uh, Big Bird and Snuffleupagus? No, it was right on the chest. It was if you stood in a certain position, it was both of them. But then when you turned slightly, Snuffleupagus vanished. It oh. was pure genius. Sounds like magic. <laughs> it's wizardry. All right, next up from TVLine.com, uh, a bunch of set photos. Uh, from Arrow Season 7. Um, mm-hmm. What I got out of them was, one, he grew in a beard nicely. <laughs> Two, he's in prison. Three, he fights Spawn. That's what I got. Uh, I think you missed four. Felicity has pink hair. Oh, I did see reason. that. I saw that too. And I was like, oh, wow, that's kind of hot. I'm not going to lie. You know, I usually like the, uh, you know, not found in nature colors for hair, but uh, she's not looking great. She, she, his sister needs to get to a salon and get that fixed. I think pink hair is perfectly wonderful choice. Just, it's not, and I mean, I think 
that it's meant to show that she's not doing well with her husband in prison. So that's perfectly reasonable. It, but, it, uh, it's funny because there's two pictures. I don't know about kind of hot. <laughs> there's two pictures. There's one where she, there's, you know, the group of them standing there being yelled at by some sort of military person. I can't tell who it is actually. Uh, but she's, they, she seems all upkept and like regular brown hair like she looked for many many seasons and then you click on it then the next image it looks like it's her evil twin with the pink <laughs> hair and she's got her eyebrow pierced and whatnot so wonder where that goes <laughs> Eh, she's not doing well but there you go if you're i think that's diggle that's is it diggle I, it could yeah, very well could be what did, what did they call him spartan yeah yeah In the helmet yeah i think that's who that is <sighs> yeah. Well, here's hoping Arrow has its shit together this season. I, I, are they still doing flashbacks? Um, they're not doing island flashbacks. Okay. <laughs> you got off the island fine. It should be called Arrowbacks. Oh, that's true. <sighs> TM. <laughs> Boo. All right. Next up. Uh. All right. So there's like two of these stories ish somewhere i can't let me see if i can find the second one scrolly scrolly scroll the last thing, is it the I last think. thing all right mm-hmm. so first up we get a news article that says netflix uh has killed the hopes for defenders two or defender season two and they did that by removing the or changing their their face their twitter handle or whatnot. So it's not the Defenders anymore. It's NX. Um, okay. That I, I feel it's looking uh, this deep is kind into of jumping things. to conclusions. This headline <laughs> really digging into that one. Huh? <laughs> um, it was a very clickbaity headline. Very much so. But then later on, we find out that you know those that are writing and and you know putting the ideas out there are like we, we never said that there was or wasn't going to be a defender season two we i mean like I, and it was great because the uh who's actually saying it's jeff Lowe, right yeah Lowe was like they didn't wander around wearing little d's on their chest or anything like it wasn't like they were an official team the defenders have always been a team of unlikely heroes that got together to do super things so there is the open-endedness of it possibly being another team. And they this these shows are rife with characters to choose from. Because Daredevil? I'm trying to think. Does Daredevil have any other s- superhero in it? Um, or, or, I mean, not since Elektra's gone. Okay, so all the other ones have the possibility if not multiple possibilities for other cast members in a Defender-esque team. So what I'm taking away from this is there's the possibility that I will get my dream show of Colleen, Misty Knight, and Claire Temple. <laughs> that's all I want. Yeah, that's Luke possible. Luke Cage can show up from time to time, and Jessica. Yeah. That's all I want. I mean, there's many stories, Heroes for Hire. I mean, like it, it's just the comic books are there. It's not like it's it's unprecedented. That team has changed, and those characters have teamed up differently. They had a whole run where it was just Luke Cage and Iron Fist for quite a while. 
So, I mean, heck, they could team these four characters up again and not call it the Defenders. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. So, so I, Article One is uh, you know clickbaity. Article Two is like, hey, let's be realistic. Like, settle down. <laughs> it's not as big of a deal as you think. Um, this next one from Variety. It just yet again. It it disappoints me that these these studios are just trying to suck more money out of you. And this like this one, I, the fact that Disney keeps calling it like direct to customer streaming service or something to that effect bothers me. But um, they're saying that the that the the new Disney streaming service is going to have room for other shows that feature other Marvel characters that maybe didn't get the limelight in the movies. Great. That just makes sense. Why is it not on Netflix? (laughs) Just don't make me pay for something else. I expected something like this to happen. I I guess the other way to look at it is they're trying to make it worth your money. Yeah. By giving you what you want to see. Yeah, but but they were still making money. their money. <laughs> you know, it's it's they're just like now they're making it more difficult for me to see the things that I want to see. I don't know about more difficult, but maybe more expensive. <laughs> they well, then in first difficulty, but still, um, this this article in particular talks about Loki and Scarlet Witch, um. But within it, they're like, yeah, we're going to concentrate on the others. You know, those that didn't have their own standalone movies. So, great. Each series is expected to include six to eight episodes. Um, Marvel Studios will produce the shows. So, that's, that's great. I just wish it was on Netflix. <laughs> Leave it be. Um, also... Within this article, there's a lot of advertisement for the new Magnum PI series, which is just also bothersome. But that's <sighs> the advertising or the existence of the show. Both. <laughs> Both. Okay. <laughs> um. So yeah, we'll see what happens when, because this is not. It's like late next year. This this streaming service is supposed to come about, and we'll see what they have to offer, and we'll see where the the money goes, because. It's only so much of it. We all know this. Oh, never mind. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna incriminate myself. Let's let's move on. Hollywood Reporter, um, Karen didn't. Yes. So Rachel Bloom talks about Skylar Aston. Aston. Addition. Mm-hmm. Isn't isn't who is that? That's the guy that's replacing Greg. Okay, so we already talked about that. Knew that okay so we covered that um, what i did like about this article was all the famous people tweets mm-hmm. <laughs> i want to be on your show look at my picture <laughs> it seems to be working yeah this is kind of a fun thing for them is that they just kind of get to like solicit celebrity guest stars who are fans of the show and they got a bunch of neat ones yeah um, I am looking forward to seeing Tan from Queer Eye on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Like, that's great. Was Patton Oswalt actually on the show already? He was. I don't really remember him because he wasn't a very big part, but... 
I vaguely remember this happening. Uh-huh. Okay. So, yeah, they got a couple of big names showing up for, I, I would assume, are just going to be like bit parts because it's the final season. They can't really create any more storylines. Oh, no, no. <laughs> so, but it's, 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 it's interesting to see the pull that the, that the show has and it's still being underappreciated. I'm so looking forward to it premiering and it's not really not that long. I think it's a couple weeks. Mm, does it say in here? October 12th, I think. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, yeah, we'll check that out. See, see what other faces show up. Um, from foodandwine.com. <laughs> Alton Brown's Good Eats Reloaded will premiere in October. I think I I don't know how I feel about this because I feel by the description that they're just taking the old shows and sort of jazzing them up a bit and, and redoing them. Pretty much. Okay. I liked the show as it was. That was one of my favorite Food Network shows. It was Well, I don't think they're going to do anything to it to make it worse. I think they're just kind of Why know, not make more? It. Well, because that takes a lot more effort <laughs> than kind of fancying up what you already have. Alton Brown's a busy man. And to be fair, um the original series, like a lot of the the original seasons, uh you know, technology has changed a lot since then. Um, yeah. You know, there's there's new information to be added to make things a bit more accurate. There's you know that they weren't shot in widescreen. Uh, they're not shot in high definition. Um, and the the fact of the matter is is that the original show is so great and it is so, uh, you know, technically important in a lot of ways because it's like it's a food science show. There's not a lot of that out there, mm-hmm. and it's super entertaining. Uh, and to have those original shows kind of updated. You know, modern, like, obviously do new episodes someday, but at the same time, like, there's a lot of topics that I would love to see Alton Brown revisit now that he's so much better at doing what he does. Mm-hmm. You know, you go back to those original series seasons and, like, you know, a lot of the gags are, like, not, he hadn't quite, quite found his rhythm yet. It's like, a, you know, a, an artist doing a cover of their own song from their first album after they got, like, way better. It's, a, it's I think it's an interesting concept. I'm, I'm stoked for it. Well, it's going to premiere in October, October 15th. So we'll see what happens. Cause October is a good month, you guys. It is. There's a lot of good stuff A lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff. Um, so we'll, I, I, I'm interested to see what they do with it. Because, like I said, I liked Good Eats. And you're right. I mean, if they update it a little bit and, and mod- I don't want to even say modernize because I liked the, the quaintness of some of his gags and some of his skits. Um, yeah, I'm sure that it, it, I'm sure it will be fine. I mean, it's more Alton Brown. So, all right, moving on from EW.com. Veronica Mars reboot officially happening. Uh, new details are released. Um, okay. So, <clears throat> uh, Hulu confirmed for the first time Thursday the streaming network has picked up the former UPN slash CW series for a new season. It's going to be direct to series order for eight one hour episodes. It will premiere in 2019. Um, all episodes of the original Veronica Mars will be airing on Hulu, which is good. Which answers the question I had a few weeks ago when we uh, found out Go90 shut down. Yes. <laughs> Um, so she's going to be back 
they and they give a description of sort of what happens or what the season's going to be about um the theory is is like that there there are murders going on during like the peak season for them and she gets called in or the mars investigations gets called in to to solve someone's murder and it takes her nine hours to do it or eight hours to do it which is great i like that i like one storyline i didn't want an an, a monster of the week kind of thing i like this theory because and the old the 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 the, well at least the first season of the old show did both of those things Mm -hmm. like concurrently and did it really well yes um but they've definitely proven that they can do a full season story arc um, really well when they when they have as much time to work on it as they have had with the show being off the air for however many years yeah i i'm i'm seriously looking forward to this um so next year another season of of veronica yeah, uh, this kind of news also kind of broke on Kristen Bell's Instagram, where she like made a little video saying that they were going to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I just that day I saw a bunch of people on Facebook and Twitter freaking out, like, "Oh my God, they're doing another Veronica Mars! This is the most amazing news ever!" And I'm like, "Didn't I read about this a couple of weeks ago?" Yeah, it like, came out a while ago. I guess I guess I'm just paying. So they're not paying attention, attention to our uh, show more attention to certain things than other people <laughs> this is why i didn't wasn't paying enough attention to the iron fist ta- trailer because i was paying more attention to there you Rocket go Mars. well done nicely See? spun nicely spun all right so when we get more information about release dates and whatnot we will let you know next up from collider.com um i i thought this happened already um but apparently not timeless movie will cover two different time periods so the original thought was to do a two hour long single timeline event to wrap everything up because this is how they're ending the show uh they found that apparently difficult so they said why don't we just do two timelines that are sort of connected to each other and do what we have been doing this entire time which just makes sense There you go, timeless fans. There you go. That's what you're going to get. <laughs> like, that's really, that's it. I mean, we get, like, there are questions that are being answered, but it's pretty much we're doing more of what we've done. You seem to like that. We're going to keep going with that. Okay. And also, you get what you get, and you don't get upset. There you go. <laughs> I I watched a couple of these. I was like, there's so many time travel holes in this show. I just, it didn't. It didn't it's do it really for me. hard to do a good time travel show. Yeah. It's really hard. It really, really is. From Deadline Hollywood, um, Deadline.com says, Watchmen, Trent Reznor, and Atticus Ross to compose music for Damon Lindelof's HBO series. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. I remember them from when I was in high school. Yeah. Nine Inch Nails. I remember Lots of things happened in cars with that soundtrack in the background. Well, if you've heard... Lots of driving. <laughs> yeah. wow. That too. If you've, <laughs> if you've heard a lot of their scoring work that they've done together in the last handful of years, the the sort of tone that they capture seems to fit this project pretty well, mm-hmm. I think. 
This is pretty natural. So they have worked on the scores for The Social Network, Patriots Day, Gone Girl, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. So yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a very kind theme of theme there. Creepy and thrillery. So it makes sense. Is thrillery a word? Yes it is. Now it is. Oh, You've said it on the internet. Woohoo. <laughs> I made a word. Uh also from Deadline. Um I didn't realize this was I have not been paying attention to the news as of late. Um but Kerry Washington, Brie Larson, Will and Grace cast, Full Frontal staff, and more support Time's Up walkout. Um, So apparently a number of celebrities in the TV and film industry took, in essence, a moment of silence um, for this situation that is not good. Like... I, I'm hearing drips and drabs about it where it just makes me more and more disappointed about our government's leadership. Um, so uh, Dr. Christine Baisley. Blazy Ford. Blazy Ford. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but she has come forward stating that... Th- um, the nominee for Supreme Court. Supreme Court, yeah. Has sec was sexually assaulted s- them in like high college, I think. And every it just hurt pains me to say this that there are those that are saying, well, no, he should still be a Supreme Court justice, a judge. No person that sits on that bench should be beyond reproach mm-hmm. um so even Not that that's actually the case for all the current sitting justices but whatever <laughs> whatever doesn't mean we shouldn't keep striving for that exactly yeah. um do better and there is certain like it pains me like we, why didn't someone call the fbi 36 years ago Okay, that was tweeted, not by a redneck. Well. That doesn't have any political clout. See how I clarified that? (laughs) That was tweeted by our president. This is the world that we live in. But the positive spin of this story is that there's hundreds and thousands and millions of women in the world supporting and standing behind women men it's there's a lot of support out there and it's just it's it's impressive it's just upsetting that there needs to be yep so let's move on to better news dr dre tv series has been dumped (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> no in all seriousness this is this is a thing that we should be paying attention to um and i'm not talking about dr dre this supreme court justice you know like it things need to be looked at and paid attention to in a more detailed manner 
and right now things are just being glazed over and warring factions just throw as much bullshit news at you when the the the, the plain truth of the matter is something has been said it should be taken seriously mm-hmm. that's it do what needs to be done to investigate whether it's true or false does not matter needs to be investigated and right now it is not so there moving on ew.com and i was serious when i said this <laughs> um apple was like yo dre tone that shit down what the fuck? we're out <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I'm leaving. <laughs> so apparently, Apple, the new app they, they, they're trying to set up for their new streaming service, uh, thought it would be a good idea to say, "Hey, Dr. Dre, make a show about you know being Dr. Dre," but we still want it to be family <laughs> but they friendly. Didn't think that through. <laughs> <laughs> Please make sure that it is PG-13. Um, <laughs> oh, I, it was funny because like I was reading this. And, um, but like, yeah, we're going to give, uh, six episodes to Dr. Dre series is going to be titled vital signs. Here's the problem. We can't do this because of characters doing cocaine, gun violence, and rather in a rather explicit orgy scene. Yeah. That's not what we're looking for here on Apple. So, yeah, I, I don't know what they, what did they expect? Do they not know who Dr. Dre is? Did they not pay attention? Like, did they think it would be warm and fuzzy? Thank God Apple has so much money that they can, you know, just dump and try again with someone else. <laughs> Holy shit, my brain hurts. So, yeah, that there's there's that's news. Um, next, HollywoodReporter.com. This is this is fun news for me because I am I, I I enjoy this show. Uh, Ducktales has been renewed for season three before Disney Channel released season two. <laughs> Yay! There is an adorable video announcement. Um, it's, it, it's attached to the article. You should really check it out because it just seems like they have fun, which makes me. Like I believe it. Like I believe like this is how things happen during the recording sessions. <laughs> that Can like... I revise my reaction to this story too? A woo. <laughs> yes, a woo. <woo-woo. laughs> uh so yeah, I watched Wow, I watched the episode where where Donald gets his 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 voice um modulated and like it, I was like, I have to watch the rest of this show. And I understand why it's being renewed for season three off of that first season. It's a good show. It did a good job with it. So stay tuned for more DuckTales. A woo-woo. A woo-woo. And that is it. Um, that's all the news we got. The last little bit of news that I wanted to chime in with is uh, last week or this week, this past weekend, we did our annual pitathon, and That's I just pain wanted in the assathon. We don't just really like sit around and eat pitas, which would be a 
we could think about that for next year, Chris. There were pitas there. There were. <laughs> there were. Um, anybody that paid attention to it, that donated, that shared, that liked, I want to personally say thank you to you. Um, I believe it was a success. Chris, you have you have feelings? I mean, it was a success in every regard. We okay. hit a goal of $3,000. We pulled in over $3,100. Uh, it was... Uh, we haven't really we discussed more... it since you left, so, or oh, since I yeah. left. I just wanted to make sure that you were happy. <laughs> I'm, I'm very, I am very happy. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I probably could have used a little bit more of a, a, a break to go get some sleep, but... Uh, my my last opportunity to get so get, to get some was uh, thwarted by me being the last one awake, so uh, that was fun. But no, um, none of uh, there was only one game beaten, which is <laughs> surprising. So so Jonathan was the only one to beat the game that he was uh, he was challenged with. Um, God, Bubsy got the best of Dean. Shocking. Dean and I really, really. I mean, I, I thought he might be able to do Bubsy too, just because it's 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 a worse game, but it's so cheaply done it was just like kind of chintzy and like all right i'll get from point a to point b because there's no effort put into making the game uh fantasy zone though boy dean and i were at the height of our uh tired insanity mm-hmm. so that was really fun uh i had a blast playing ninja turtles with dan and matt i i loved watching you and angie play altered beast <laughs> i would have loved to actually have been sitting in the room for more of that uh, so i'm looking forward to the video so i can see the rest of my, that whole situation. my favorite part of the entirety like i purposely stay like i didn't normally i was ho- i hosted so i didn't have to stay this the entire time this time mm-hmm. but i stayed till the beginning of uh dave and Jengus playing <laughs> vr oh, that vr game and i couldn't because i have a, a motion sickness problem i couldn't really watch the gameplay but the two of them were so goddamn entertaining <laughs> Because of the visceral reactions they were getting to this horror-based game, oh, tears were streaming down my face. I was laughing so hard. Dave and Sean from the Whip Around podcast, those two were wonderful. Uh, they, they were uh, they were a blast to be uh, in the room with. They were playing Double Dragon 3, and they got farther than I thought they were going to. Mm-hmm. Actually made it up. Well, Sean made it to the last level. Dave never successfully beat level one. He never <laughs> lived long enough to get past level one, which I thought was really, really, really amusing. Uh, but th- uh, those guys were really funny. Um, uh, I-, I played Odama at 6 o'clock in the morning. We, we need is- to figure out a way to make it so that you play less. I know you enjoy it, but you put yourself through hell. I just need to, to stack them differently so yeah. that I can have a break. Really, I stacked them this time so that I would be able to have a break. But then people left and there was nobody around to do things. And uh, <laughs> Dean didn't sleep at all for the first chunk of the day where he wasn't actually playing games. And that's so another thing that we have. There's things we have to I work out. We have to, to fine tune yeah. this a little bit better. <laughs> we, we, need to, we need to actually get a little bit more of a sleep schedule worked into it so that... Uh, uh, some kinks need to be ironed out, but there was there was something entertaining to be had in every single game that was played, mm-hmm. and uh, I was very happy overall with the event. So thank you to all the participants that actually took the time out to meet up at, at Matt's house and play the difficult games. Thank you to all of those that watched. I think this year we had the, the most views that we've had We did. We had ever. the highest viewership we've had. Um, thank you to all of those that donated 
uh, yet again, we we raised our goal from last year. Well, we raised our the 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 number that we hit last year. We raised our goal higher than that, and we beat it. Thank you. I, it, we're gonna. I'm assuming we're gonna keep doing this because it's for a great cause. Um, that's near and dear to both you and Karen's heart. Um, if it wasn't, we wouldn't be doing it for uh, without you guys. So here's to you two as well. Yay. Aw, thanks. thanks. I mean, even though you didn't show up, Karen, it's fine. <laughs> I had my own personal pedathon called Watching My Kids. <laughs> so that's pretty much it. Chris, you got a spiel Evan, for me? I do. And that spiel goes a little something like this. You can get in touch with us at mailatgeekade.com, as well as all flavors of social media that we inhabit. You can like us on Facebook with both the Geekade page and the This Week's Episode page. Find us on Instagram at Geekade. Subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch channels for all our latest video content. Follow us on Twitter at the underscore Geekade, or follow this show specifically at Twepcast. You can find us individually on Twitter, too. I'm a Geekade Chris. That's Geekade K-R-I-S. Karen, can people find you on Twitter? They can at shoot underscore the underscore moon. And Evan, if somebody was so inclined to find out your thoughts on Twitter, what would they be? Geekade underscore Evan. If you're interested in more information about anything we discussed here tonight, be sure to check out our show notes. And while you're at it, you can also subscribe to this and any of our other wonderful podcasts on iTunes or Stitcher. Or if you're super nice, you can leave us a review because any and all feedback is welcome and appreciated. Again, always remember to keep your eyes on geekade.com for more fresh original content. Back to you, Evan. All right, so it is my pick this week. And I thought about it, and it is the first official Halloween episode for us next week correct that's right 30 okay. geekade's 31 days of halloween is coming back so for the next month for the next four picks at least depending on how the calendar lays out we are four. going to be doing scary well yeah i'm gonna say scary stuff mm-hmm. um and i'm glad that i got to pick first because i wanted to 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 revisit we've talked about this show before but I went, I, I scoured the internets to find out what people thought was the scariest episode of this show. And this week's homework is Supernatural, Season Yay. 2, Episode 16, Roadkill. This is a young Sam and Dean. Yes! I am never upset to watch more Sam and Dean. <laughs> Especially the younger versions. They were adorable back then. So, that's your homework for next week, people. Once again, Supernatural Season 2, Episode 16, Roadkill. And that is officially it, people. Thank you so much for tuning in. From all of us here at this week's episode, I'm Evan. I'm Karen. I'm the Immortal Iron Fist. Again. (laughs) (laughs) Good night. And this concludes our broadcast day.